Well, all right, guys. How are we doing today? Doing Good. Doing Good to great. be here, Chris. Yeah, man. Glad you're here, Scott. And Paul Gato, glad you're here. Oh, glad to be here. We've been talking offline and having some conversations, so I'm really glad you're here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Love to hear more about you. Uh, sure, Chris. So uh, my wife, Patty, and I have been married almost uh, 38 years. We mm-hmm. moved to Greenville over uh, five years ago when I retired from my job at Caterpillar, the big yep. yellow heavy equipment manufacturer. And in my career, I had the privilege of really living and, and um, working around the country and around the world. Yeah. And uh, in terms of our spiritual life, um, I was raised as a Catholic. Okay. Uh, Patty was raised in a traditional Christian home, and I was baptized uh, after we got married. Um, we were blessed in that we could retire early. Both of us were in our mid-50s, and the question was then, where are we going to spend our, our golden years? Sure. And uh, we've got three adult children. They're spread across the country, so that really wasn't driving our decision. Um, and we learned about Greenville really through our daughters. They both okay. uh, visited Furman um, on their college trips, and... Neither one of them attended there. They went to a different, uh, different schools, but uh, we ended up really falling in love with, with Greenville. And so five years ago, we've got a blank slate. Uh, we come here really with no, no commitments, no responsibilities, and the challenge is really how do I structure my retirement life to disciple people? Hmm. So you come, come to Greenville, and you got connected to Grace Church, and if I remember correctly, you did this through Men's Roundtable. Tell us a little bit about that. Right, right. So uh, Patty and I have moved uh, seven times during mm. our, our marriage. And the one thing we learned is find a church home first. That's yeah. the main thing. Everything else just seems to, to follow after that. And uh, we visited several churches in Greenville, a whole variety. We avoided the, the synagogues and the mosques. But other than that, we pretty much went to a lot of different um, churches. But we kept coming back to grace. You okay. know, the, the teaching was something that we really liked. We found it to be very biblically based. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much, you know, you'd study the word and then you apply it to your your life. And um, I joined Men's Roundtable, um, took an authentic manhood class even before we placed our membership. And it was it was uh, very funny. I, I was uh, the oldest participant by at least 20 years. Okay. So I'm in this uh, class in a very different season in life. So I'm in retirement. A lot of these guys are just really starting out in, in their career. So I had them sit at my feet as I, as I taught them. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, we, we, it, there was great give and take. There was great yeah. discussion. I found it really really very challenging and really mm. uh, enjoyed it. And, um, you know, what I learned from it and really what Patty and I have learned from, from Grace is we had been involved in Christian churches all of our lives. Uh, we kind of thought we needed Jesus to kind of smooth off the rough edges because mm. we were raising our kids, doing everything that a good Christian American family is supposed to be doing. And then we came to, to, to Grace and they really kind of disabused us of that notion. And yeah. we're fundamentally broken. <laughs> it's not a question of fine tuning. It's not a question of... You know, you're you're not as bad as the you know the prostitute, the the, the drug addict. It's you're you're fundamentally broken. Mm. You've got sin in your life, and that's where you start, and then you move from there. Mm. So true, Paul. One of my um, passions and part of my job right now is to be able to help our church think through the lens of generosity and stewardship as a discipleship issue, and just leveraging what we have to disciple others. And so you bring up this idea of retirement. I think it's such an interesting question. You know, you asked yourself, how can we structure our retirement to disciple people? Um, when did that question, you know, really come into your to your mind? And then, how did how do you go about answering that question? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point. And I, I would say it came up intermittently as I was getting closer to retirement. But more than anything else, um, Scott, it's like there were several Christian men who I uh, consider to be significant role models and mentors. Some of them family members. Uh, some of them not, but people that had huge influence on my life. And then I would see them get to this stage of life and um, things started taking a downward turn. 
Um, it might be a matter of they become more self-indulgent. They're, uh, you know, in a constant search for relevance since they're not working anymore. And uh, sometimes just bitterness. And they're mad at, at all kinds of things. So they look back on their career and they've got failures or uh, people, you know, somebody did them wrong. They didn't get an opportunity, a job, uh, a project that they thought they should have. Something festering with their spouse and that just seems to weigh heavy on them. Uh, their kids, um, you know, strained relationship with their kids. Even church leaders like you, they get mad at church leaders. I'm sure you, you get some of that. Never. Uh, your, <laughs> your homeowners association, the guy who cut you off in traffic. I mean, you find something to be angry about. And, um, you know, my favorite is I'm mad at the world. Mad at the political, what's going on in politics. Mad about, um, you know, the younger generation. They don't know what they're doing. And it's almost, and I'll use a 25-cent word here, vitriolic. Mm. It's just hateful, spiteful. And, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a Christian man problem. It's a man problem, an mm. older man problem. Mm. And it's just as Christians, how are we going to deal with it in a way that's different than the way that the world deals with it? Yeah. And I think part of it is you've got, um, you know, you're physically deteriorating. I mean, that's just the way it is. These bodies aren't meant to last, uh, you know, for eternity. That's just how we're built. We've got a perfect body that's promised us in the kingdom. And so, you know, we're looking forward to, uh, to that. Um, and it, I think it's tougher sometimes with guys that are in leadership positions because you're used to being the man. I mean, I enjoy sports, so I'll use an analogy. You know, you're Michael Jordan, and everything's great as long as you're in charge. And then mm-hmm. once they make you the eighth or ninth guy off the bench and you're a role player, it's not so great anymore. Sure. Um, and you can't do the things that you could... Uh, you could once you could once do, and um, you know part of the uh, uh, process I think is you just need to remember the world is broken, yeah. and you can't fix it. Uh, it's been broken for millennia, and you can waste your energy on that. You can waste your energy on social media, ranting about things on uh, cable TV or whatever it is that gets you up, upset. Or you know you can. It, the irony is, um, in terms of speaking actuarially, you're closer to the kingdom than you've ever been. Mm-hmm. It should be a period of rejoicing. And it's not. And that's sort of the thing that just really bothered me. Like wow. these men who taught me about Christ, who taught me about salvation, are so much closer to it now. And yet their, their attitudes are so negative. And shouldn't mm. they be positive? Shouldn't you? And I know, again, I wish I had the body I had 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, we don't. And me I was too. a stud 40 years ago, let me yeah. tell you. <laughs> me too. But uh, I have to, you know, that's just, that's just not the way it is. Or it's never been the design. Read scripture. Yeah. That's not the design. And uh, so that's part of the, the, the issue. And, yeah. and so that's... I mean, that's what you did. You went to scripture. Yep. You actually anchored in on some language, like a little a little motto statement for your life, and then you were able to take some some what you were learning through Men's Roundtable and apply that. Tell tell us a little bit about just kind of this mission statement that helped drive <laughs> your view of discipling people through retirement. Okay. Yeah, and I'm a uh, I'm a corporate guy, so I'm kind of a a nerd. I really do have a, a mission statement, believe it or not. And it's um, four words. Um, Please God, serve others. And it really is just a, a, a highly condensed version of Matthew 22, where Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And the response is um, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And, um, you know, I think that's really uh, mm. important to keep that um, in mind. They're not mutually exclusive. Um, I think sometimes you can really get involved in the second one, in the service part, loving other people, and then not take care of yourself. Hmm. There's an old saying, the best way to get uh, to uh, ruin your relationship with Jesus is get involved in the church, because mm-hmm. you get so involved in service. But, you know, in terms of pleasing God, we're talking about praying fervently, studying the Word diligently, worshiping appropriately, you know, honoring your wife, being a role model to your kids, being a, a good and loyal friend. Um, and uh, and then serving others is, is what we're talking about here, kind of, I think, the, the use of your your energy and how you steward, how you steward that. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. So I think that's, uh, we want to anchor in on that a little bit. You've got this idea of stewardship. One of the definitions that I like and use quite often is an active and responsible management of God's creation oh, for God's great. purposes. That's great. So Can you say that again, Scott? Yeah. So stewardship is just the, the active, and we're going to compare that to passivity in just a second, but the active and responsible management of God's creation for God's purposes. And so here we are as part of God's creation, creating his image. We have this energy that we want to steward well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how have you um, seen people be able to, um, well, which direction, how, which direction do men take with that energy? There's, there's a few different directions guys can take, right? Right, right. No, and I think when we talk about guys, I'm literally talking about whether you're two or you're 92. We all have this unique energy. Uh, my wife and I work in the nursery quite a bit and really enjoy watching these little guys, guys and girls, but you, you watch some of the boys and they've got this incredible energy um, mm. that they deploy in different ways. And it's like there are three buckets that, that a man can use. So one is you deploy it positively. So that's as God intended. Um, secondly is to, to squander it. And that's mm. tantamount to passivity, right? To where you're basically um, not using a, a gift that you have at all. And we're still is deploy it in a negative way. And there's just unlimited examples of how a man can deploy his, his energy negatively. Anger, anxiety, adultery, alcohol, those are just the A's. So I can, I can go yeah. on. <laughs> and I think that's uh, you know, sexual sin, obviously. But there's just so many ways that you can go to a dark place if you don't have mm-hmm. a, a plan. And the challenge for me was basically, how am I going to steward this, this gift? Yeah. Um, and I knew myself per- personally. I knew that if I didn't have a structured, well-defined plan for my life, I ran the risk of falling in that category of passivity or using it negatively. I just, personally, I don't do well with a lot of free time. And I think many men have that same, same issue. And you gave a lot of examples earlier and some of those fit into that third category of, of negative, negative energy and what we might just say are just blatant sin issues. Would you say though, that most guys kind of find themselves in that second category of just just squandering some opportunities and some energy because they don't really have a plan or a vision for how they can finish well in the last 15, 20 years of their life? Yeah, no, that's a great, great point. I think um, lots of folks, and that's part of the process of heading towards retirement, you're looking towards comfort. So how can I get to where I'm you know, comfortable from a, a, a financial standpoint, just the way I'm living my life? So you try and find that, and it's kind of... Uh, uh, I guess, against your intuition to say, well, I want to find something that's going to make me awkward, that's going to make me uncomfortable, that's going to bring people to Christ. And that was really what I had to fight because I really, well, I enjoy my comforts. And, uh, you know, if I can, if I can um, go out and do something that I enjoy, whether it's, you know, some guys like golf, some like hunting or, or travel or visiting the grandkids, that's all great stuff and all important things to do. But you can get caught up in, in just saying, you know, there are people out there who have have needs and and the great commission is we need to be bringing people to Christ. Now I've got time mm. and I have energy. I'm still in in good health or reasonably good health. Let's what things can I do to bring people to the Lord? Mm. Yeah, that's 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 great. And thinking about the active side of that, I mean, I think that's where having a church that um, has its goal mm. of discipling people and creating opportunities for for others to step into the lives of individuals all along the, the spectrum of discipleship and just help them move one further step closer to Christ, mm. um, whether that's evangelizing a non-believer, discipling a believer, outreach, just helping serve uh, the poor and the broken. I think that's where as a church, providing some opportunities so that you can then create your own plan. 
And, and so, and you've done that quite well. Um, there's been a lot of opportunities that you've been able to to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. What what yeah. are what are some of those? Just so that the men who are listening to this, they they may not even know what those opportunities are. Maybe this is the first time they're thinking, "Oh, I I, I need a plan, but where do I start?" We actually have a lot of entry gates for folks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your experience over the last five or six years. Yeah, no, Grace has been uh, been wonderful in this uh, this quest for me and. Part of the, the mantra, I think, is, and I can't remember if it was Bill or Matt who said this, but they pretty much said, try stuff and see if you die. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that's great. But you're still here. That's right. That's and right. generally speaking, I didn't die, but I had some, some pretty awkward moments. You know, that's just sure. the way that it, it goes. My wife says my uh, spiritual gift is social awkwardness. I'm good at that. But uh, sometimes I think you need some discomfort or some awkwardness in your, in your life to grow. But, um, you know, not long after we started at Grace, uh, I heard an announcement. They were looking for folks to serve as guardians ad litem. Um, especially men, because they wanted uh, men to work with some of the older teenage boys. Uh, you know, I've always enjoyed kids. I have a heart for at-risk kids, so it seemed like a good start. And what a guardian ad litem does, just very, very briefly, is um, you've got the Department of Social Services, biological parents, foster parents who all have their views in a particular case, and you bring in an objective view of what's best for, for the child. Um, you meet with all the parties. You visit the child once a month. Um, and what I try to do for my own purposes, I try to have four or five cases at any time. So 10 to 12 kids that I'm working with, and you make a recommendation to the courts. And uh, generally the judges put a, a lot of value on your perspective because you don't have a dog in the fight, as they say in Texas. Wow. And um, so that's, that's uh, kind of the approach that uh, you take. And there are times I feel like I make a huge difference. There are times I make no difference at all. And there are times you just get your heart broken. Um, but Grace, um, you know, to your point, has really upped their game. Beth Drake is doing a wonderful job mm. in the initiative and in bringing more people in to be guardians. So I go over to the courthouse now and I'm seeing other Grace people. That's cool. And it's great. And, and the message to the community from Grace is, you know, it's, it's a demonstration of the love of Christ. This is our community. These are our kids. And we've got to take care of them. So I think that's, that's great. Um, just going on another uh, announcement made about four years ago was about uh, a group called Jumpstart. Uh, the men's uh, uh, or the, the prison ministry and Carrie Sanders, who's now a member at Grace, uh, was leading a session. So I went over to it. There were two options that you could have. One was serving as a mentor for somebody recently out of prison. The other was to go into the correctional facility and really participate in a, uh, a Bible study. And my goal was to be a mentor because I'd done that in the corporate world. I can handle that. Again, mm-hmm. that's my comfort. But I just felt called when I went to the uh, the meeting that, no, you know what, I, I need to go into the, the prison. Mm. And uh, they needed men, again, to go during the day, uh, people who had the flexibility in their schedule to do that. There's limited access at night for security reasons. And so now I go over to Tiger River Correctional Facility every Thursday morning. It's on hold right now because of uh, COVID. Um, but uh, basically, Jumpstart, 40-week program on Rick Warren's book, if you've ever written it, The Purpose Driven Life modified for folks who are incarcerated. Mm. And I've met so many guys. I mean, this is part of the challenge and getting uncomfortable is having contact with people that are outside your sphere of influence, people you would never meet. Yeah. And now, I, I, you know, some of the guys that are in this program are, uh, you know, have uh, graduate degrees. Some of them are illiterate. Some of them are former pastors. Some of them haven't darkened the door of a church ever. Um, and uh, there's an, an old saying, I don't particularly care for it, but it's half of life is showing up. Um, I don't think it applies in most circumstances, huh. but here it does. These guys, I mean, they, they're, it's incomprehensible to them as to why somebody would come in to church, uh, to, to prison to visit with them yeah. and to study the word mm. with them. So it's really, um, you know, just a, a great, great ministry. They just o- broke ground uh, on something called Restoration Village, uh, which yeah. is going to be a, a transition facility for guys who are coming out of prison, you know, have, getting a job, finding a place to live are the two most important things. Lots yeah. of folks don't want them in their neighborhood. So mm-hmm. this is a, a way to get them a place to, to live in on the, the straight and narrow path. That's but right. 
Um, I mean, I can go on. There's lots of other um, uh, opportunities. Fostering Great Ideas is a group that uh, basically was founded by a guy named David White, but it puts um, adults in contact with foster kids and you mentor them. And there's more flexibility. If you're somebody who's not retired or has limited time, um, they want you to meet with your, your mentee a couple times a month. You can schedule that for, you know, ball games or hiking or whatever it is that you decide uh, to mm-hmm. do. So a lot of flexibility there. Um, uh, there's several things through uh, Furman. I, I had the opportunity to meet a young man through a program there called uh, Bridges for a Brighter Future. And they take um, high school kids from around the Greenville area who have, have a lot of promise but are in tough financial situations or home situations. And this young man that I hooked up with now about four years ago um, was in that wow. um, that mode. But he was just tenacious. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a very focused kid and knew what he wanted. And um, I'm proud to say next May, not because of me, it's all him, he's graduating from Furman. Wow. And um, uh, is looking for a job. If anybody has a job for a bright young marketing guy, <laughs> okay, let me know and I'll, I'll get your resume to him. Paul, I want to circle back to something that you said earlier. Um, and so many different ways to get involved. Um, but activity by itself is not the goal. Right, like right. we want to steward this, this energy that we have um, as men. And, and that by energy, we're talking about you know, f- physical ability. We're also talking about this wisdom, this experience, and just all that we have get, been given. Activity, though, should always lead us to greater devotion. I heard someone right, say right. say recently that uh, ministry is important, but devotion is essential. Mm. How has serving in all those different ways really impacted your relationship with God? That's a great question, Scott. Let me start with how I'm broken, because I can tell you, and part of it may be the vestiges of my kind of Catholicism, but I struggle with guilt a lot. And there are times I'm doing things to relieve my guilt mm. that have nothing to do with following the Lord. And I, I really have to, to check myself on that. I've been blessed in so many ways I feel like I need to give back, and it's not necessarily focusing on the Lord. It's focusing on me and relieving that. So what I've really learned to do is to say, hey, when I start on any one of these activities, kind of say, okay, how can I I be the face of Jesus in this particular case? And um, I think that that's, for me personally, that's something I just have to refocus. Otherwise, it really is on me. Or, you know, you kind of go through the motions, like a job or anything else. You can get to the point where you're just, you're kind of doing it, but your heart's not necessarily into it. So I really try, you know, each day and as I engage with people in these activities to say, okay, remember why I'm doing it. It's not about me. It's not about relieving my guilt or whatever I feel. It's about, you know, serving the Lord. I'm reminded of Romans. Paul says, for I know that nothing good lives in me, for that is my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And the idea of just recognizing our brokenness that we really don't bring much to the table, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it is our devotion that we can bring. You know, and as you went back to that, stewardship is the active and responsible management of God's creation for his purposes. And the idea of that active devotion, I mean, that is really what you've been sharing with us is what you've done. You've just, I'm going to get plugged in to what God's doing, and I'm going to get involved in discipleship, and I'm going to give my life away. So, Paul, just thinking about a pretty broad audience that we're reaching here, but one of one subset of that audience are, are, are men who are going to be moving into retirement years, let's say in the next five to 10. Um, so what I heard you say earlier is you got to have a plan um, that feels foreign for some men. So what kind of advice would, would you give them so that when they get to the opportunity where they have some more freedom, um, they're not in that squandering passivity phase with their, with their energy? How would you, how would you guide them now? 
Yeah, I guess there's a, a couple things. And, um, you know, we spend a lot of time planning financially for our retirement. So it's kind of the same thing. You do have to give it some thought. Um, you also, I, I would say, don't compartmentalize it or segment it. So start early. So you're 10, 10 years out from retirement. Start thinking about, well, maybe what's a ministry, especially if you're going to live in the same town in retirement that you are now. What, where can I start planting some seeds, maybe, where things that interest me, and then I can get more involved once I retire. I think that that's a, uh, mm. a good way to... Uh, to do it and and don't always look for a formal ministry you know i've talked about some specific ones but uh you know i i can get i'll get contacted from time to time to say you know we need somebody to just transport people from point a to point b and it's you know there's a bit of humility there especially if you're you're somebody who's been a leader and you've been managing people and you're in a position of responsibility and now you've you know you've become a chauffeur or you're you know you're a guardian and you've got a uh a 16-year-old kid with an attitude who's talking in a way that, and, and the thought is, man, I don't need this. What am I? I don't need this. But the reality is, I need this, and I need the humility, and I need the. So it's it's kind of getting yourself in that mode that things are going to be different. But man, it's tremendous opportunities. And you know, I'll stress what I said before: you're getting closer to the kingdom. So get excited about it. That's good. Well, this has really been a good interview, Paul. Is there any closing comments or anything else you'd like to share as we kind of land the plane? Okay, sure, sure. Um, so just a couple thoughts. There's a great uh, quote that I like uh, quite a bit that just resonates with me from a, a woman. Um, she's a French author named Anais Nin, and she said, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And uh, it's like everything we see is through the lens of our life experience, and that's what, you know, certainly how I see the world. But if, if we're called to, you know, as we are in Matthew 25, to focus on the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, in prison, you've got to go find those folks. I mean, you've got to be at the margins if you're going to help the people at the margins. And I think it's really easy to sit back. And I mentioned, you know, the, the folks that I know now in prison. I mean, I now have a brother in Christ who is never getting out of prison. I mean, he did something a long time ago that he regrets. He acknowledges it and he's, he's saved and he's out doing everything he can to help other guys, um, in prison. Um, I, I had the opportunity to, to meet a young man who, uh, just turned 18, grew up in a really tough situation. He's going off to a fabulous college this fall and both his parents are drug addicts. I mean, I, I had, you know, I, I won the lottery of parents when I was a kid. I didn't have anything like that. Learning and watching how this kid overcame that and was inspired by his parents because of their failures, wow. not because of their successes. Mm. And I think, um, uh, you know, th those types of things, I think really kind of getting out and, and meeting folks on the, on the margins. And, you know, there's something that goes on. We, we've talked about this, I think, somewhat in um, our study of Romans, and that is we get involved in our, our, um, our pack, our group, and... Um, we get involved in confirmation bias. We surround ourselves with people that are just like us. They think like us. They look like us. And then when we express opinions, man, they're just like ours. We're all doing great. As yeah. opposed to saying, you know, when you experience, again, somebody who's been in prison, someone who's had a, a difficult life or is struggling with, with addiction, you just see things from a different perspective and you realize there's not an easy, easy solution. So you can, you can burn your masculine energy by being angry, by being judgmental, self-righteous uh, about the world, or you can just love on these image bearers because uh, that's what they are. Um, you know, and it's pretty clear if you look at what Jesus did uh, as you read the gospel, that's the, the example that we have, and that's how we should model our lives. Mm. Man, so good, Paul. Well, I appreciate you sharing today. Scott, thanks for joining us. This has been a great interview. Very good. Thank you for having me. This has been yeah. great. Thanks, Paul.